Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got a banger of an episode here for you this morning. We bring on two top performing new business owners in 2021 from the Student Works Management Program. They share not only about what the things are that have led directly to their business success, but most notably the things that have led them to develop a routine and a schedule, and most importantly, a mindset that has allowed them to do this week in and week out. Uh, These two people are not here because of like a one-off big sale or kind of a, a random event that fell into their lap. This has been a consistent performance over the past 10 weeks and have led them to be the top home service student business owners in Eastern Canada. Really, really excited to hear what you guys take away from this one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this special episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got Amor out in Etobicoke, Ontario. How are you this evening, Amor? Doing pretty good, my man. Good. Doing We've got good. John out in Kelowna, BC. How are you? Yeah, just peachy. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> exciting. Uh, I'm out in Elmer, Quebec, uh, the finest place on earth, and we're joined by two top performers currently with Student Works. Uh, we've got Justin Georgopoulos, uh, who's the number one painting operator right now in Eastern Canada. Welcome, Justin. Where are you joining us from tonight? I'm joining from London, Ontario. Cool. Nice. London Knights. Uh, and Broder Curry, number one window cleaning operator in Eastern Canada. Where are you joining us from tonight, Broder? London as well. Sharing the 519 Jeez. with Mr. Georgeopolis here. Okay, let's go. So we got Ammer, Broder, and Justin all. How far is Etobicoke from London? Two hours. Oh, wow. Two hours. Yeah. That's too okay. far. I, I was thinking like 30 minutes, but no, that's, yeah, okay. Well, thanks for joining us here tonight, gentlemen. I, I uh, you know, good initiative for Broder as well. Uh, last year we had the top performers on and we, I think we had this happen a few times and we kept it running until the pandemic. I think we kind of just stopped uh, doing it. We did it twice, I think January and February with the top performers of 2020 and uh, I think I had I had swiped up and responded to to Broder's Instagram story. I think it was actually about the new Drake album. I yeah, think. it wasn't it. Yeah, and then I was like, "Yo, this is a pretty this is a pretty fire song." And you were like, "And also, what about the podcast though?" <laughs> I, I so took advantage of my opportunity. Yeah, well, there you go. You can't you know can't blame. And it seems like you've been doing that in your business too. So um, yeah, I guess like yeah. Well, I guess like. Uh, you had kind of said, Hey, like I'm number one, my roommate, Justin is also number one. Like, can you get us on? Like, what's the deal here? Are you guys, are you guys in integrity with your commitments? 
uh, to have top performers on. So we kind of just th- thought it would be a great idea to bring you guys on and, and just kind of chat with you about what it's been like for the first two months of running your first ever business at in your early 20s. Because how old are both you guys? I'm 22. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 21. I'm a year behind Justin. Yeah. So pretty crazy what you guys have accomplished in, in the short while. So, you know, Justin, uh, Justin, when's your birthday? March 29th. Oh, damn. Okay. So you're actually, yeah, you're, you're older than me. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I forget how young Ammer is too. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. It's so, my cereal. <laughs> It's my grilled cheese, my craft grilled I, I, cheese. But something tells me though, Amber, like you, you've, you've actually aged slower. I think you're actually kind of lying about your age. Like, I feel like I've known you for what, almost four years now. And you're only what, 21 or something. Like that's kind of, that's 22. Make any sense. I'm 22. So <laughs> in your rookie year, you were, you turned 18 at the end of the year. Something like that. I don't remember. That's yeah. yeah. See, you're lying, dude. That's not. There's no chance. No, what are you no talking chance. about? Let me see this. Let me see this. You want to see my ID? <laughs> you want to see I my want, ID? No, I, I don't want to see that. I, I want to see the birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's give us some evidence here. <laughs> what you it's, think? I was born in Kenya. Is this it's where just we're gonna going? be like the, the the I am twelve and green crayon. <laughs> uh, Ninety. Wow. I, I don't know. Ninety. Is that say ninety eight? Is that a fake? Dude, it's so fake. Dude, relax. <laughs> 90. Okay, I'm, I don't even know where I'm looking. Who has a Michigan license? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's funny. Okay, Let's cool. See. Oh, so, no, my birthday's down here. There it is. So, oh, um, okay. just for a reference Anyways. point, um, Ammer was the previous top performer of a first-time business owner uh, at, I guess he was 12 or whatever when he was a rookie, if we do the math correctly, but uh, <laughs> if he was, <laughs> so he, he was, yeah, he holds the record at $225,000 in revenue for the year. Um, and Justin, what is, was the previous record? Uh, 157. No, oh. it was one. It was 157. I think it was 167, but nonetheless, it was broken. So 225 Ammer holds it. Uh, it's currently March 14th. So for any non-student works folks, that's kind of like, I would say you'd expect to be booked at somewhere between 20 to 25%. I would say 15 to 25% of what you maybe end up selling and producing for the year. Um, and Justin Georgopoulos, who's with us here tonight, is currently at 143. So He's gangster. Yeah. So he's closing in on Ammer and and seemingly, you know, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't even started the other half of, of the beast yet of, of production, but from the data we have, I mean, Justin, you're, you're on pace to, to leave Ammer in the dust. So, you know, and, and I'm, 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 by the way, Justin, I'm all for that. I have never been able to leave just or Ammer in the dust my entire life. So I'm, I'm right on there with you. I'm, I'm on that bandwagon. Uh, as I've said many times here before, he passed me four years ago, never caught him. And then he retired. So anyway, uh, what do you think, what's been the biggest takeaway in the last two and a half months for you and and what you've learned that you didn't even think would be really a thing, but is now just a huge realization you've experienced in, um, in owning your business and, and the short success you've had so far. Oh, the big question. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. And Amer, uh, thanks from the beginning with uh, just giving me advice when I, Amer, is it Amer or Amer? Amer? 
Ammer. A-M-E-R. Ammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks from the beginning for like when I gave you a call, to, like the early season, you gave me advice. Um, and you're like, man, I want you to do this too. Because I was like, hey, man, I want to beat your record. Like, go ahead. Let's do it. So I really appreciate that. And uh, thanks, man. So the question, I guess it's uh, time management. That was something before coming into this. Um, I was I was actually a butcher, so I was working at a butcher shop, um, and I was selling meat boxes and stuff like that. But never had to really manage my time necessarily. I would clock in, give my hours to the boss. But in terms of having other people and marketers and uh, building a whole team, this is something that and and showing up on time to estimates like that is one key thing. Like the minute counts. Um, so that's that's a major takeaway that I didn't think I would really look at from the very beginning um, in terms of minutes, seeing my time as minutes now rather than, you know, hours. Um, and then the consi consistency. So really like anyone can, anyone can do this um, in terms of it's, it's input and then it spits out output. Um, I see this opportunity and especially cause we're in a pandemic, like this is, I feel like it's a duty to, to just go with this opportunity we have. Some people are not in work. We have the opportunity to be able to work, have an, like basically an essential business um, and then bring people on the ride. So really what I started realizing is that this is way beyond myself. Um, and this is like, it's, I'd be do myself and like my, my friends and just people around our age, like a disservice if I were to, to slack. Um, so yeah, just really felt the weight of what's going on here with, with the pandemic and, and thought this is like the perfect opportunity to just go. So quick follow-up question. Uh, what do you think you said it's beyond you? It's not just about you. Like you saw this as a bigger opportunity after starting, like, what do yeah. you mean by that? Yeah. Um, I had a thought the other day where I was thinking when my, when my grandpa came from Greece and came to London, like he got a job, I think he was a fry cook. I don't know where, like whatever. To me, that, that would be like, oh, a fry cook. Like, that sounds like a minimum wage job. To him, that's opportunity. That's, that's, not, that's not downgrade. And the fact to be in a position, if he was in the same position I was in, and he's like, I can have run a whole franchise, and I just got to put in my effort, and I just got to try hard. Um, like, this is not just for me now, because I can now bring people into this thing. And, like, just, just seeing when I hired my first marketer and seeing, like, him putting input and then paying him, I was like, man, you're helping me and I'm paying you. Like, this is, this is awesome. Let's, let's do more of this. Like, let's bring on more people. Let's like, the better you guys do, the better I'm going to do, the better I'm going to do, the better you guys are going to do. So just seeing that it's, it's beyond myself. It helped me be less selfish in terms of my goals, um, less selfish in terms of my time. Um, because that was one thing, I guess I was really like, I was the youngest of the family. So I was kind of baby growing up really. It was about me. And this business really showed me that this is beyond me and it's helping me get through that. Uh, so that's wow. another thing. Wow. Well, that's a, that's, that's a great takeaway. I think like to learn that it's such a, in such a short time here, I think is, is um, so valuable because I think as your year goes on, you'll also see, okay, I'm playing a bigger game and the people that choose to work with you and that you hire you, you're creating change for too there. And, uh, yeah, no, that, that, that sounds like you've gained a lot of perspective from what opportunities have been given to your family in the past and kind of rooted it there. It seems like you have a pretty sustainable source of motivation and a really rigid perspective on, 
on, on why you're doing this. Like why run a painting business at 21? Mm. Well, a lot of people would say, why the heck would you do that? Right. Uh, why painting? Why now? It's pandemic. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Terrible time, Justin. Why now? Uh, so yeah. my first year when I was approached by, by Joe Kim. And oh, okay. So, so they were trying to, they approached you in 2020. Okay. Yeah. Well, my first year of university, I was, uh, yeah, I think it's 2019. Or, mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, I would thought my whole perspective was different. I, I thought I was, I was better than painting. I was better than painting houses and getting, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a, a motivator entrepreneur guy with millions of followers, just such a twisted view. Of what yeah. yeah. Does. This brings us back to the core. We're, we're, we're labor, but we're, we're business owners. Mm -hmm. And painting as a vehicle, um, that just changed my perspective. But that just came with growth over the years. So. Mm -hmm. wow. Can I ask a question here? Uh, because you guys are top performers now. You guys are the top now in revenue. If you guys had it your way and you could control the leaderboards, what leaderboard would you want to include that doesn't exist? And which one would you take away, Broder? I... I I think of this question every night and I think the number one thing is hours invested or, or time spent and not just like the business. And I don't also just mean this for myself. I also am jumping in because I know how hard Justin works. I think that's the biggest thing. And Justin was saying there, there's no limit to this business, right? It's, it's as much as you input from yourself, as much as you input training your team and all that, that's the determining factor, at least in, in my opinion. So I would love to see, um, you know, uh, that ratio because, hey, maybe someone has has a bigger turf. Maybe someone has this or that. I think hours invested just shows dedication. I think there should be a dedication mm. leaderboard. Mm. OK. And Justin? Uh, interviews. Amount of interviews. Mm, like a hiring leaderboard. Yeah. Something with hiring. What would you guys think about? Wait, I, I, I want to go around. John. If you were to eliminate all leaderboards, what do you think would be the only leaderboard that matters? Because I have my opinion, but I want to want to hear hear everybody else's first. I got a good one. I don't know. I don't okay, know. while you while you're thinking, Austin, profitability for sure. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this and going, uh, like I think we spoke about this before, Emmer, but. In our rookie year, when you broke the record and I did 157 or something, we made uh, within a few percentage points of one another, I think, at the end of the day, right? Um, and it was just a very different business model. So at the end of the day, you probably learned more from a scalability perspective. So there's there's unknown value in there, in, in that realm. And at the end of the day, if you're looking at it from dollars in and dollars out, I was I was able to subtract or extract more cents on the dollar. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's something that I think is, it's a little bit cliche or not cliche. It's a little bit, maybe it breaches privacy possibly. Cause you know, I mean, if your business had 8% profitability, maybe you wouldn't want that on the leaderboard. I, I don't know. Uh, but I think that profitability would be a good thing to keep track of for scoring. What is that what you were thinking, Amber? Yeah, I was actually just, I think that's the only thing that matters Yeah, because Justin, I agree, man. It, business is about helping people, but if there's mm -hmm. no profit, like just go run a charity, right? It's just a, it's a, it's an organization that fulfills that way better than a business. So I think a business, um, there's like this inherent responsibility to shareholders, which is you to maximize profit. And, um, 
this is something that I, that I truly, truly believe. Yeah. John, what are you thinking? I don't know how you would, you would possibly measure this. I'm sure if I maybe sat and thought or thought about it for longer, maybe I could come up with some sort of metric, but sustainability. Yeah. I would love to like see consistency that. or no like sustainability. Uh, so like, and, and I don't know how you would measure this, but like if I'm running next to a guy and you look him dead in the eyes and he looks you dead in the eyes, you can get a measure of sustainability. It's like, who's going to like, you, you can, you can Longevity? be confident. Yeah. Like, because like i don't mind getting outworked in the short run it's like it ain't over till it's over so you know mm. sustainability matters i mean i you know last year you know justin when we you know in, in broder when we had this call the guys that were in your position their sustainability wasn't their metric whatever that metric was it wasn't there right sure. they didn't sustain that energy so that i don't know how you would measure that metric but but i would love to know that yeah, so Justin and Broder, what would it be like for you guys for uh, you know November to roll around and uh, you guys are not number one? What would that mean? You can answer first, Justin. I have a, a response. It would mean I was out of integrity. Um, in terms of I set, I set a target from the very beginning to, to hit a goal, and I'm on pace for that goal. Um, and like how John's saying with consistency or in sustainability, it would, it would just mean that something broke down the system. I would have an ego, my ego would be damaged. It would have to be checked for sure. Um, the leaderboard does that and I'm, I'm working on that. And it's good. It's actually a good self-development thing right there, having that aspect. But um, yeah, I, I, would, uh, I, would go, I would be hungry again for next year to do it again in some way, but I would be a little bit disappointed. Broder? I, yeah. So can you, can you say the question again? You said it's yeah, what, November. What would it be like for, you know, it's November rolls around and uh, you know, you guys aren't number one. Like, what, what does that mean to you? Does it matter? Does it not matter? What are you feeling? What's going through your mind? What do you, you know, what, what are you experiencing in your body? For sure. I think two answers to that question. The first is kind of cliche, I guess, but like I, I'm my biggest self-critic. So I see what it's like to be where I'm at right now. And I'm, I'm not satisfied. The second part though, is, how I'm combating that is how I'm making sure that, you know, like you just said there, John, the business is sustainable. So my biggest thing was, and I mentioned earlier about, you know, investing time, not only in sales marketing, but actually in uh, the recruiting side, I have a quote that says uh, recruiting and training is the human capital version of compound interest. Right. Mm. So the more, if you invest now, you know, compound interest, it pays off in the future, right? So I've set myself up and the business up with, you know, a fantastic team, shout out to my team if they're listening, so that we can maintain and sustain until, just like you said, Amber, you know, when November rolls around, hopefully, or not hopefully, because I've invested that time, that compound interest is going to pay off and sustain, just like you said, John. I just thought about this and you guys don't have to say yes to this, but I just, I just came up with this. Would you bet on yourself right now that you would finish first uh, come November? Yes. Would you, would you, would you yes. bet on yourself? Okay. No question. So would you guys be willing to bet a thousand dollars to MS 
right here, right now, that if you don't Damn. finish number one, Damn, let's you go. have to commit $1,000 to the MS Hold on, I, I gotta hop yo, in yo, M- MS has Hold been on. on the Zoom call the whole time, by the way. They're just going to pop in here. <laughs> where they are in here. I, um, in, yeah, exactly. In, um, I don't know if it was my second or my third year. I, I want to say maybe my second year. Um, I had this rival. His name was Alec, a good friend of mine. Actually, still to this day, uh, who who had held the record. I guess if you consider East and West as one company, he held the record previous to Ammer, um, and he did four eighty three, like a couple of years back. And the, I think the year he broke the record, I I, I said to I made a I, I made a public bet that whoever. Uh, whoever lost basically between the two of us had to dye their, all of the hair on their entire body. Okay. Including their pubes blonde. And uh, I'll never forget. Amber calls me. I'm on cascade place. No, oh, Alec, Alec mountain. Yeah. Alec calls me. I'm on cascade place on Dilworth. And he's like, and he was like, no straight business. Hey, John, uh, I, I saw the bet. He's like, unless you're willing to put 5,000 down, it's not even worth my time. <laughs> and like, I hadn't even made like, I hadn't even made like 50 grand before. So I was like, dude, this, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. But I'll never forget that. I was like, mm, you know, touche though, because I'm not willing to put five grand on myself. So, so let's take, let's take the hot seat. Justin, are you willing to put a thousand dollars, put your money where your mouth is and say, you're going to finish number one by the end of the season. And what I mean by the end of the season I mean, the end of the season, November 31st, like no more production, nothing that you're number one. Yeah, I'll put $1,000, not towards MS. Um, I, I, I love the charity. I'll yeah, put yeah. it towards the Any charity. Of, of my yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I will do $1,000. Yes. Do 1000 Broder. Ooh, yeah, I like and this. I don't want to preface. So my answer is yes, regardless of what the answer is. I just want to confirm where your mindset is. Do you mean number one? as a window cleaner rookie or number one yeah, as a yeah. window cleaner period window cleaner rookie rookie in yeah. production okay, not sales in production because i'll because I'll, I'll do an extra 500 for number one window cleaner period Damn. oh 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 like oh, 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 whoa, oh, 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 oh hold on you're saying that you would do 1500 <laughs> to bet on yourself to finish number one overall I'm, I'm, I'm betting on myself and I'm in the same boat as Justin. I'm a big mental health advocate, So I'll, I'll lean towards that if that's okay with you gents, but I'll, I'll bet on myself. Yeah, I, I want to maintain like sustainability. Jeez. I won't, I won't do that one. Um, Just what? out of curiosity, what does the, what, what, what <laughs> yeah, is you would the, have to beat Mac Mercier is doing 700, but yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> as of right now, just because of the gap, I'm, I think I'm just under 10,000 off of Faraz who's in first place. Whereas I feel like, uh, what is a top uh, window washer like? What's the revenue of a top like, so the, of, of like who? It, the rookie record for window cleaning in a year is a hundred thousand. Um, right now, I'm at I think seventy four, um, and then I think the vet record is in the high one fifties or one sixties, if I'm not mistaken. So just so you know, John, this is mixed vets and rookies. So um, yeah, this guy Faraz is is at eighty seven, and he's a vet, and then. just just to the window cleaning just to let you know remember dan who we had on yeah he's at four hundred thousand for his window cleaning right now yeah he booked seventy five thousand the last two weeks jesus yeah that's how much he's at four hundred thousand in window cleaning sales yeah window cleaning 
Yeah. Is that including Dak or no? Yeah, yeah, his whole business. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. He, That's he's, actually he's insane. Like sometimes twenty thousand a day. So there's levels to this. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, boys. But boys, I, yeah. I mean, whoever's listening, I mean, this is not easy to do to just outright. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're we're totally going to put money this. on yourself live, and it's like what mid March. I mean, boys, <laughs> Justin, you want you want integrity. You want the I smoke. Mean, <laughs> you guys want the smoke? Like you got it. All eyes on you. I mean. Okay. So this is deliver. The one- yeah, this the is one thing, uh, the one thing ahead. I will say, sorry, sorry. The one thing I will say too, just about Justin and I is um, for those listening and for you guys who already know, we are roommates, like we're living together in the summer. So we'll, we'll put this up on the wall. Like we'll make sure we stay accountable to this to, to make sure we, uh, we don't forget. Yeah, I was thinking of having a house alarm that just goes off for everyone. <laughs> you guys need to get a gong. Like every time you, uh, you make a sale. Yeah, exactly. Um, I always thought that'd be kind of a fun idea to like have Am or Austin. I all just move to like just some random town and just oh, man. grind out. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Similar to how like like uh, you got like um, you know, like real estate guys who like will like rent a mansion and all like wholesale deals together, or like YouTubers all buying a house together. John, if Miranda and Trish leave us, or Trisha leave us, I think we have to just move oh to Toronto God. and 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 move into Amher's uh, studio apartment there, and we just all yeah. sleep on the floor. And I got and this, you know, single bed. I'll sleep in the closet. <laughs> <on> the <floor. laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so question for you guys: This is amazing, and I, it's really motivating to see you guys putting your money where your mouth is um and and just to preface this uh the two people that we had on uh i'm gonna hit you guys with a stat okay um uh i've been with student works this is my sixth year if you include the year so i was a painter so let's say four without being a painter every single year we have this top performer panel at the february training right so there's the people that are number one it's usually late february early march um, never once in my time with student works. And I think this even goes back to before I was with them has all three people that are like just almost essentially hitting their targets. Like they've, they've almost hit the, the Caribbean trip target. They've almost like, they're so far ahead. Right. Um, there's always one out of the three of them that don't even make the cut for the, for the, for the trip. Like meaning they don't run over, I think it's 60 K and 90 K and painting, which means that most time that means that as of late February, early March, sometimes they, they aren't even able to double their progress from that point forward for the rest of the year. And <clears throat> despite them being as eager and like literally all about it as you guys are, I mean, they didn't bet a thousand dollars on themselves, but they were definitely serious about their progression. And on top of that, <clears throat> last year, the people we had on, um, and they wouldn't mind name drop us name dropping them because I've spoken to them since then about this. Uh, we had Olivier Grenot on and uh, and Faraz Khan on uh, in your guys's position this time last year. Faraz did finish number one as a rookie. Uh, Olivier finished thirty first. Wow. So that's something, and 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 I've talked to him about it, and I want to, and he's open to coming back on the podcast. Yeah, to yeah hold share on. About I gotta that. give a shout out to Olivier because yeah. he's he's still an absolute beast. Oh, like, he's, he's number four to, now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a force me. to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, beware. Anybody? This guy's chasing me up the leaderboards now. Uh, he has something to prove. His why, just like 
exponentially sure. extreme. He's been he's he's been listening to the Inner Stoa podcast too, so I know he's been hitting that. <laughs> I know I know he's been hitting that stoicism. John game. plugging oh his other podcast. Yeah. Uh, so the question I wish I would have asked him, and the question I wish I would have asked every person that was on that top performer panel that didn't make it, is if you weren't to hit your goals, what would be the one thing that would stop you? Yeah. What would what do you predict is your is your Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say you're not going to make it. It's just like, hypothetically, you know, pitch me an idea as to why you wouldn't be number one. If someone, if someone told you, Hey, you know what? Fast forward. I know know the future. Why you were number one. Yeah. yeah, What's the reason? It's a good, you can go first, Justin. Uh, Good question to John. This is actually something I remember. I I gave you a call um, and asked, asked some advice and I actually asked for a book recommendation and you said the obstacle is the way. Um, oh, okay. That was you. Okay. never mind. My bad. My bad, brother. Was part of. Um, so I gave you a call and I said, Hey man, I have no reason not to book this month, like much not to beat the record. You're like, no, 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 no. I know what the reasons are why you would, I wouldn't book it. Right. So right away, when I hear that a question, I think uh, production trap, that's production trap and uh, turnover with employees. I could see that could be a a major thing that I'm going to focus on and I've already do, done a lot of recruiting and, and I, I'm starting paint training actually early. I've done paint training already and, and I'm doing some more tomorrow and t- Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so that's how I'm going to combat that from happening. However, like that is something I could see happening. And uh, I, I'm, I'm setting very high expectations with my clients. So just delivering and, you know, Hopefully, uh, not hopefully, well, yeah, hopefully, because I, I hope this happens and I'm, I'm going to do my best to make it happen, that I, uh, I follow up on everything that I said to stay in integrity till the, the last little tick on the marker. So, Broder, how about you? Yeah, I think mine boils down to two words. And I mean, I could say what John said about being sustainable, but I think it comes down to number one, complacency, and number two, satisfaction. Right. Whereas number one, if I get complacent in any means, whether it's in my personal life, in my in my sales, in my marketing, in whatever aspect, I'm just not going to hit my goals. And then number two is being satisfied. Right. Where it's like, hey, my sales goal is whatever. Let's let's say it's one hundred thousand, which is awesome. That's the rookie record. Once I hit that, I'll I'll become complacent. I've you know, I've, I've surpassed whatever and I become satisfied. Whereas realistically, in this system, there is no, you know, it's, it's not finite. There's no, there's no ceiling, right? There's, there's this, there's this metaphorical ceiling and floor with student work, right? Where they give you, okay, if you follow the system, you should fall within this, which is amazing because it's your first business and there, that floor and ceiling is awesome. Whereas with, you know, not being complacent and not being satisfied, I think that the sky is the limit. So I'll try to avoid those two things. And then I think, I can, I can hit those goals. John, what did you book this week? Uh, roughly, roughly 40,000. 40,000. Okay. So let's say John, so what you're booked at 360, 350? Uh, 403. Oh, four, nine. Okay, cool. I uh, miscounted. Let's say I stripped you of all these sales. Jocelyn's gone. Your employees are shipped to China. They're gone. All right. <laughs> what makes you confident that you can surpass Justin and Broder 
combined. What do you think are these attributes that wouldn't even have you doubt surpassing everybody, even out West, even if you were stripped of everything right now? Like, as in, like, I basically, I'd, I'd have to start like right from scratch, from zero. Right from scratch. Because there's people listening right now who are booked at like 8,000, 10,000. What if John Morgan was at zero thousand right now? What would he be doing right now on March, mid-March? Well, I don't know if I would beat everyone. Like, um, I, I like Mac Mercier might beat me, but I think that if I had to start again right now, I think I could finish at five hundred because I think that I think that um, you know I think I would probably I'd probably do a slow launch into may and probably only just get four people going so two crews so may would be looking like it would be you know probably about a you know maybe a 40k month in production but i'd have i'd have a max launch for june july and august and i'd be trying to produce at least at least one at least probably one 125 each of those months and then i'd probably finish off with probably a 50 in september and a 25 in october and that would probably take 10 painters so that would give me that would give me a good, that would be one a week for the max launch. And that'd give me the rest of, it'd give me one month to find four painters for May. Totally doable. You know, if you're, if you're, you're maxing it out. Do I still have the money that I have right now? Uh, no, no money. Yeah. So I'd, I'd have to be grinding five days a week for door knocking, which actually probably would maybe even get me going a little bit more. If I didn't have Jocelyn, I'd, I'd have, I'd have to find someone that I could, I could reasonably trust to take on at least the day-to-day currying, but I probably wouldn't be able to delegate much of the actual production management to them, but that's fine. I mean, I did that in the past. So, I mean, I'd be really confident. I mean, I, I ran six crews and did half a million. So like in no production, I mean, that was fucking torture, but I mean, I could do it. Right. Um, and then as far as that, I mean, five days a week, five leads, 25, uh, leads just, just straight cold calling. I'd have no other flyers to send out because I'd, I'd have no money. So that's 12 and a half estimates. Assuming I can, I still have all my knowledge, initial calls. That's yeah, you 25 K a week. So 25 K a week. I think there's 30 weeks left. So yeah, I could get, I could get to half a million for sure. So I, I the reason I asked that question is because it's so, I found myself like in this position right when we started, when I gave Austin that call, these like these giants on the leaderboards, but what I wanted to make, you know, make it real at the end of the day, I think Justin nailed it. It's all about the input. And if you guys want to, you know, save that thousand bucks, you got to remember that there is a John Morgan out there who's maybe twice as hungry with more to prove that's coming to take you down. So Anybody, even if you're at zero right now, they're coming. Justin did, uh, and Broder, did you guys ever? I mean, it's pretty fucking crazy, really. I don't know what my mindset was when I was I recording this. <laughs> but did you guys ever hear that audio recording of me like acting as if I was like my own worst, like my, my own competitor? You guys ever I, hear that recording? I listened to that yesterday in between an estimate. And I, John, I was scared. <laughs> it says something, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it says like, I'm coming for you. Yes. Like it was, it, it was, Where it, is it got this? me motivated Wait, for sure. It's our last episode. It's like two episodes ago. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, Wait, it's around the on. end. 
did you edit it in or something? Like, did we have this talk? Maybe I'm just having an annual. No, we wrote it. If you wrote it, listen to it. It exists. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, on. Okay. It's it's in the last three podcasts. Okay, One of the last okay, three, okay. I can't recall. Um, oh yes, okay. I'm looking at our our episode. I think it's episode 91, the alchemy of speech, or is it? Yeah, it is. Was it before it was we had my grandfather on? It's alchemy of speech. I remember okay, editing. Okay, it. okay, yes. okay, okay. Cool. Life cool. of a Mac episode. Life of a Mac. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I stopped after the song. So. Okay. <laughs> the song was. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted well, the biggest reason I wanted to bring everybody in here is just to remind that that you know in business, it's the market that decides who wins. You can do the best, but it's, at the end of it, it's the market, and it's the quality of your production, and it's your ability to stay profitable. Because you can have the best production, the best sales, and number one, but if you're not profitable, then the odds of you running it's just like there's so much that play here that nothing is guaranteed mm-hmm. um, not only John, profitability but I, w- I would even go you know one step further and, mm-hmm. and say that what's even more important is, is actually the, the cash flow of the business cash flow Correct. yeah yeah the cash flow 100 because you could be you could be really profitable on on paper but yes. ultimately how much money you have to reinvest back in the business um really matters right you could book a bunch of jobs that are really profitable but if you don't have the cash flow support you know from payroll to payroll your you guys aren't gonna stick around so cash flow is super super vital mm-hmm. this is an even field ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. because uh, 150,000 in sales is just deposit it's just a promise for the rest you actually didn't you guys didn't make any money you guys you know it's all equal footing it's the it's just the man who produces the most who wins so we haven't done anything yet nothing I'm, I'm, I'm down a ton. Like, I think I've, I've probably put about, you know, $40,000 in my business so far. So, I mean, if anything, I mean, I'm, I'm in the hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I was talking to, this is the conversation that uh, supposedly sparked the inextinguishable fire that now exists under Amher's ass, uh, which is the, Hey man, what are you doing that I'm not doing conversation that we first had back in 2018 when you called me randomly Amher and, one of the things I pointed out was that uh, I actually have the most, li- at the time, I had the most liability out of anyone, not the most assets, because I had the most deposit checks for unproduced work. I was essentially flaunting liability, um, right? And that's essentially what you boys have too, right? Is you guys just have the most liability, not the most, well, you have the most sales, but right now it's actually just a huge chunk of liability. Perceiving yeah. it as an asset, well, it could touch on what Broders talked about, which is complacency. Like, oh, look at these assets. I already have them. And um, <clears throat> it sounds like it's hard for a certain extent. And to those listening too, that are, you know, keep in mind, like there's 250 other people in your position, right? Like this is a huge company um, to perceive what you have as an asset. It's almost like you're counting your chickens before they hatch a little bit, right? Um, Another word of, for yeah. sales or a sale yeah. should be debt because <laughs> you Indebted guys are in debt to your yeah. customer. You owe them something. Justin, you're 150,000 in debt. <laughs> Broder, you're 70,000 in debt. John, you're $400,000 in debt. Yeah, yeah. Feels like it. Well, <laughs> it's just, you are a debt is a promise. It's usually in the form of money. But you guys mm-hmm. are in debt in terms of promise. Mm-hmm. Your promises. You know, it's it's interesting too. Like, um, 
like I was thinking about this today, you know, like um, just like how much, like how much liability, you know, essentially I have and, you know, but, but the potential rewards are just so, so amazing. If, if you're able to actually fully deliver on, on this, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about that, you know, even for a rookie, you know, to do, you know, $200,000 and solid, just grade a production, like that is solid, just brand building, you know, like people will, will know the name if you do that much work, especially in a small town. Right. Like, uh, it's just, it's just worth something. Um, plus the monetary aspect, of course. Yeah. Shifting gears slightly, uh, question for you guys about habit and motivation, I suppose. One of my operators on my team, Justin, uh, set up a call with you a few weeks ago, I think, or last week, possibly Jose shout out to Jose Mukati. Uh, and he told me that he was just blown away with the, the, the degree to which you challenge yourself. Uh, in many ways, not just in your business, um, physically, mentally. Could you maybe describe a few of those things that you do to challenge yourself every day? Yeah. Um, so I, well, I cold shower. I only shower cold. Um, I tried doing that. I had to switch to hot first, cold to finish. <laughs> cold, all cold's a bit tough. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, see, I can see how that's a powerful way to start. Especially before I do estimates, I, I actually like, I, I look at the cold showers initiation into the day. So I'm saying like, I'm going to, I'm going into this shower as this, and I'm coming out as mm. this. whatever you want the outcome of the day to be or who you, what value you want to really contribute. And I feel like you're the fact that you're just putting yourself in there in the res- resistance, you're like really cementing that into your, into your subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when we, when we first went on the marketing blitz like that, I don't know if it was reading week, I don't know, it was like there was a there was a time where it was really important to market. Um, I just didn't eat for the week, um, and I just drank water and just knocked on doors. Okay, okay, hold on, pause. That's insane. How do you deal he's with not, not eating? Yeah. I know he's not joking. So how do you like? How does your? Because uh, I've done I do, I do like a week fast now and then just to keep my myself in check because uh, I love food. Like sometimes I get really lean, and sometimes I like right now my cheeks are kind of chubby because I've been eating a bit more. So actually, I'm fasting right now. Um, but I, I just do some weak fasting in there to keep myself in check and just clean out my system. Um, but it saves so much time. You don't think about food. You don't think about cooking. You don't think about grocery shop, nothing. All that time, you're just knocking on doors or you're doing something. At else. what point does your hunger go away? About day four. Uh, day four is the hardest day. And then after day four, if there's something called snake juice and it's just like water with uh, salt <laughs> and potassium. This is your electrolytes, but without calories, you can stay in autophagy, which is basically like your body's eating itself to recycling itself to keep in, in, uh, in operation. Um, anyway, so drinking that to keep me satisfied, I'll heat it up sometimes and drink it like it's soup. (laughs) But, uh, that I feel, I get to a point where I feel so clear headed, so focused, like it's spiritually connected to something, to God, you could call it, or to the infinite intelligence. Um, I know it sounds very deep and maybe like I'm reading from a book, but it, it's actually like after four or five days, it, you, you do feel something different and your connection with people, your smell of food, you're just so appreciative, so grateful, um, mm. grateful for being out in the cold, knocking on doors. I remember I was mm. thinking about a steak in the future and I was like, oh my God, like I can't wait. And I, it would pump me up at the door and I'd be like, how's it going? Thinking about a steak in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys should know Justin is trained in the Wim Hof method as well. 
So if you're hearing this, you don't, you shouldn't just do it. Like, yeah, this is what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Justin's actually started, like he's, he's trained for this. Like he he doesn't do this just randomly. He's built up to this over many years. I'm fascinated by this, Justin, because I honestly can't go more than 12 hours without eating. Like I've, I've I've essentially convinced myself that like, you know, you, you start getting like, I feel weak. I honestly feel Doesn't like it my, take like a week to die or like weeks to die. I know. I know. So this is like the Four weeks. perfect example oh, of yeah. like, of essentially letting myself, it's clearly not real if, if, if this is the case. So how do you, I guess question, let's actually frame a question here. So I'm not just rambling at you. If, if you were starting off from zero or when you were starting off before, what was like the first step you took to go in the fasting. direction of fasting? Sorry. Oh, fasting, uh, intermittent fasting. That's a okay. good, one. uh, that's great. You should be doing, not you do whatever you want. It's good. It's a good thing to implement in your life. Uh, especially if you want to lose weight eating uh, for, I think only, is it eight hours a day? Like you have an eight hour time window Yeah, the time period could be really anything. It's just like, not, you just, you have a, a period of time where you eat and then you want the period that you don't eat to be longer and you mm-hmm. can out the windows. It's good to do it. It's good to stop eating before you go to bed and like have a little gap and then sleep and then just have a little gap before breakfast. And that's the easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I went from there to slowly extending it. Then I would just have one meal a day. Um, I, I love one meal a day. I like making a big stew with like beef, like I was a butcher, right? So like beef with bone and just, I, I'm just kind of a primal guy. I love primal stuff, like hunting and bow hunting and just like hands-on. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know, that, that's what I like to do. Um, I guess that could help with the business for sure. Um, in some way <laughs> that's pretty so could you maybe describe the wim hof method for people that don't know who wim hof is <clears throat> yeah wim hof method this is john have you heard of the wim hof method absolutely brother hey this kid it's so stoic it is it's it's emotional control it's uh it's using nature to to strengthen your you call it your soul but uh basically it's 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 breathing there it's it's a method that is has mindfulness breathing and cold exposure it was made up by this guy named Wim Hof. He's a 26 world record holder for enduring cold, cold environments and also like hot environments too. He just, a, he just a beast. Um, and he contributes all his success to being able to influence his nervous system and control the st- stress response with his breath. So he developed this breathing method and, and I'll, I'll rewind. He hiked Mount Everest in his shorts. He hiked Mount Everest in his shorts. Well, he went, he went to the, not to the peak. He went very close. Okay. And he also had an ice bath for two hours or like hour and 56 minutes uh, under the ice cubes. Um, The craziest one, if you don't mind me interjecting, the craziest fucking story with Wim Hof (laughs) is he did the, the world record for the longest under. So he, he went through one hole in the ice and did the longest swim and came back up the other side his fucking retinas froze. Yeah. Like his actual eye, like the retina froze. Cause, cause he was swimming. Cause he had to do it with his eyes closed. Okay. Because obviously the water's cold, but he like was swimming and swimming. Hold on. He was swimming and swimming and well, cause he kind of knew. And so he, he, he was swimming and swimming and he went up to go feel where that thing is. And he, and he had overshot the world record by like 26 feet or something. Mm-hmm. So he opened his eyes to see where the hole was. And his fucking retinas froze. So he was like swimming around, finally found the hole and got out. But he was on a, like, like this is like negative, like negative, you know, like this is like, uh, it was somewhere like in off the North Sea. It was, this is insane. His retinas froze. He, he was blind for like, until he basically thawed out. Yeah. 
hundred percent. And that's what I love about, so, I love about him and his practice is he's really about intuition and following your instinct and getting back in touch with your instinct. And that comes with, with the practicing the method that comes with putting yourself in cold environments. Cause we're so comfortable nowadays where we rely on the thermostat or hoodies to be warm, but we forget about this internal mechanism we have inside in our brainstem that keeps us, that can keep us warm and that can regulate. So basically you put yourself in uncomfortable situations uh, in terms of environment, it's called environmental hormesis. And it's kind of like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but also brings you back to like this primitive aspect of the brain. And I really believe that that gets you in line with some type of intuition thing, some type of internal guidance system. And uh, yeah, I just suggest everyone to Google Wim Hof breathing and do a, do a couple rounds of the breathing. You're going to hold your breath for the longest you've ever held your breath for. It's pretty insane. Insane. My first time I held my breath for four minutes and I was like, okay, yeah. what's going on here? Um, and that's when I reached out and got certified. And then I remember oh. doing the breathing method and then Wim Hof comes into the room. I didn't know he was, uh, he was going to be at the training. They said he wouldn't be. And he came in and got to meet him and actually like, wow. Him. But anyway, Broder, I don't want to be hogging the, the talk here. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I told Justin, I told him that uh, at the house, we're going to have an ice bath for sure. We're going to have an ice bath every in the basement or something. That'd be awesome. I could see you guys entering your stats at night, like both of you in the same <laughs> ice bath together. Uh, yeah, that'd be hilarious. You know, it's interesting that just like one last thing on the Wim Hof thing. Um, you know, when I go for like a really long run and I'm just to the point of like, just, you know, for the most part, pretty exhausted, I'll do a Wim Hof breathing technique for like two to three minutes while running. And then I'll have enough oxygen in me that I can then do a full out sprint. Whereas previous to doing the Wim Hof, I wouldn't have the oxygen in order to do a full out sprint. So like all I could do like a, you know, like a full out hundred meter sprint at the end of a, like a, a half marathon after we, you know, getting all that oxygen in me. Yeah. yeah and we, we are, yeah. we are like when Wim Hof says we are the alchemists of our own chemistry, like we're, our breath controls our CO2 and our oxygen level yeah. acid and alkaline. And uh, 100%, like when you're running over time, you get CO2 buildup. So if you just build up the oxygen yeah. and maintain that as you run, like when I ran my first marathon too, I did Wim Hof so much before I went. And then I yeah. just kept that level as I'm running and just kept it. And then I just keep going. Yeah, Crazy. almost every half hour, you would want to almost get, get your oxygen levels back up. Yeah. So when you say you were trained in the Wim Hof method, what does a certification look like? Uh, so it's an online 14 week course. You got to like do these different things, breathing, uh, the cold showers, like time yourself, do stuff. Then I bought a freezer. Uh, I filled it with water and then froze it. So I'd like in the morning, I break the top layer and then they dunk in for like or anywhere. Like an actual like chest freezer. Yeah. You can make your own, you just save money on buying ice all the time and dumping it in your bathtub, which is kind of right. 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 Um, and then, and then I went to, to LA and did like a, a workshop with these people there's doctors there there's people that treated their lyme disease through this brain can't like brain tumors shrinking like they have like crazy crazy results from doing this method huh um the cured lyme uh, disease not, there's I, actual research behind all this too you can yeah there's research behind, behind Wait, lyme uh, disease go in deeper but like yeah but yeah and anyway certification did the la and then uh, went to uh, seattle we hiked a mountain up to this glacier water we swam in it uh we had this group thing. It was all, it was so primitive by the fire bongos. Like it was just back to the roots. Wow. Um, and it yeah, sounds amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and actually I'll just add this in before I go to Broder too. Uh, my PM kind of PM, I'm figuring out what I'm doing right now. Shout out to Jack boat. Uh, 
we connected uh, through student works. Like he, he painted for Mac last year. He also does the Wim Hof every, every morning. So lately we didn't get together doing the Wim Hof together. Um, and then Mika, my, uh, another marketer, and he's going to be a painter. He's going to be an amazing painter, amazing marketer. This guy's awesome. He also does Wim Hof. I remember showing it to him a couple years ago. Um, so it's like, I'm, it's like these Wim Hof guys are kind of getting attracted. What, 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 does, what does a Wim Hof morning look like for you? Um, the breathing. And, I, and I, I'm going to put this, I, I'm not necessarily consistent with it. I don't do it every day. I used to do it every, every day. I do it maybe three times a week. Um, but I do the breathing. I lay down, I do the breathing, um, three rounds, and then I have a cold shower. How long is the cold shower? Sometimes it's two minutes. Sometimes it's eight minutes. Sometimes I'm, sometimes it's 30 seconds. Okay. So some a person on my team too, uh, Noah Bolduke was telling me that he does the Wim Hof breathing method in the mornings to wake himself up. And I tried it. I tried it. I've done it once in my life. I tried it one morning um, when I didn't have any coffee. I was like, you know, whatever, I'll give this a try. And uh, it, it honestly, like it, 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 no word of a lie woke me right up. Like I just felt like I was, I was moving and my body had been moving for a few hours already that day. So what a fascinating, uh, and, and that was the answer. That was a, we got down this wormhole by me asking you, <laughs> what are some ways that I, ch or that you challenge yourself? Um, and I know that you Broder, you challenge yourself a lot by, uh, from what you've said already, if I'm not mistaken, not assigning any meaning or victory to any results you've gotten and essentially avoiding complacency. Why is that such a focus for you? And, and like, it seems like it's, it's so avoidant, right? Like you're avoidant of that. Like, do you ride the line between acknowledging yourself for your short-term success and, or, or just like completely disregarding it? Like, how do you appreciate what you've done so far with that mindset? For sure. I think to answer that question, it kind of starts maybe not why I started with student works, but kind of the why behind my business. Um, I did a, I did a book project in high school on the book, start with why Simon Sinek. It's like the first book everyone reads. Um, and so my why, when I started student works, a couple of the reasons were, you know, I wanted someone on my team to become an operator in the future. I wanted to build a team of like-minded people. It was a lot of it was centered around the other aspects of the business, other than just sales and revenue. So I think now when I'm not being complacent or I'm working towards my goals, it doesn't really have to do with, okay, hey, this week I sold this much or I didn't sell this much. Or, hey, this week I did this or didn't do this. It's more now, okay, hey, this week, for example, my sales rep, Mike, shout out to Mike. Hey, this week he sold more than I did. Hey, this week my marketers went out for 10 hours more than they were scheduled. Hey, I think that's more where I'm focused. I'm focused more on student works management, let alone student works sales, if that makes sense. So that was nice. Yeah. Like so that. it seems like you're, you're, uh, there's a really good book about this. It's called, um, uh, let the score, uh, what is it? I, I might mess it up. Let the score take care of itself. Bill or Walsh, score. right? The yeah. Score yeah, yeah. Takes care well, of that, we, that was the guest speaker we had at training recommend that, right? Did you buy it? Yeah. Uh, so I listened to the audiobook okay, and I wouldn't okay. recommend it because it's not Bill Walsh saying it, but, but okay. re reading it, reading it definitely recommend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I looked up, like I, I kind of added it to my list of books that I'm like the, in, in the, in the queue. And uh, I looked up kind of like the Coles notes on it. 
And it's somewhat along those lines is, you know, if you're concerned about having enough sales, kind of beginning with the end in mind, looking at who you need to develop in order to get there and focus strictly on that, the score will take care of itself is essentially the, the takeaway. So would you say that that, like what you said is, is well summed up by that, that book or, or that's initiative? 100%. So yeah. just a little backstory about me. I, my birthday is December 31st, 1999. So I've always been the youngest, right? I've always been the youngest. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in life, I feel like, it, you, you mean know, like always man. been the youngest in school, like in, in school, okay, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wouldn't call it short man syndrome that people try to act taller, but yeah. I'm the youngest. So I've always tried to act older. Does that make sense? So yeah. when, when management or leadership positions come up, I always feel, um, I wouldn't say comfortable because there's always some discomfort in it, but I enjoy that role. So that's where my goals have gone. And just like you said there, um, I'm less focused in the score. And, and more focused in everything else, because if I manage that correctly, if I take care of everything else, the score or the sales will take care of themselves. Totally. Austin. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know what, like about the why for you guys um, under that mindset of letting the score take care of itself. Uh, what do you, what problems do both of you try and solve for, prospective clients and for prospective employees and and how do you position yourself there because i think everybody does it differently i think that the way john and i try and sell ourselves it's it's largely based on the problem we're solving and that's also present with the problem we're solving for employees uh, and Ammer, of course too i think is has had different experience with this Before i would say answer i'm, I'm just yeah. curious austin in your opinion how how do you think that you and i differ on that Oh, I'm not saying that we're different. I'm just saying that, well, we could be different. We could not be different, but I think that, um, I don't really have a reason as to why we'd be different. I could tell you what mine or, or, is. or the same. Yeah. 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 What's yours? Sorry. Yeah. My, my, I mean, we didn't have to be different. Worst, yeah. worst interviewer ever asks the question and then answers it. Uh, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm okay, curious okay. though. Yeah, I, right. I don't even know. Yeah. What, yeah, what <clears throat> so I guess for the, the problem I try and solve for clients is, the general reputation that uh, residential contractors have is that of uh, poor integrity and um, lack of accountability in some regard. That's kind of the categorization I feel like I step into a lot when I go to estimates and asking for a 25% deposit and asking for people to make a decision on the day. It's almost like I'm asking them to step out of a system that they've been bred into. And the problem I try to solve for them is developing a developing a relationship with someone that really cares about the work that's being done to your house and will kind of be your consultant for your projects. Right. So at the end of the day, like it's, it's something that I think is really important for clients to get from me. That's like a huge goal I have on the other side um, for employees. I'm really trying to be the person that gives them a chance at management and, and the ability to, to move up. Like, Every year, the first Friday of each, uh, the first Friday in July of every year, um, myself and Mark, uh, shout out to Mark Lafontaine, uh, my the person I co-own my business with, we kind of sit down and we evaluate everybody on who's eligible for um, a, a management position. We have one or two that open up every year in the middle of the summer. 
And uh, our goal is to pay people as much as possible, <clears throat> uh, regardless of who moves into that management position. We, we try to foster that position being like, we try to uh, set up a structure that people can earn their right to do that. And at the same time, offering people raises as soon as we see that they see that or giving people raises as soon as we see the initiative they're taking and <clears throat> trying to train and almost breed this way of thinking into them that, you know, effort and initiative doesn't go unnoticed and trying to create a, a motivational system for them that can hopefully follow them for the rest of their life. Like obviously they're not going to paint houses for the rest of their life. Maybe they will. And that's fine, but odds are they're not going to. Um, and for them to leave the summer thinking that they just painted houses, in my opinion, is like a loss. Like I, I really try and, uh, would you say that's similar to you, John, after I, I answered that? How does that differ for you? And then we'll yeah, get I mean, to I Justin say, and Broder who no, I, I would actually say asked the question to. <laughs> no, I would say, I, I would say mine's, I'm trying to solve the same, same solve the yeah. same problems. Yeah. Justin, Justin you, you go yeah. first. Cause I have a different route to this, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I I relate to what you're saying, Austin, about the integrity and the reputation of contractors, and then building that back up. I actually watched this YouTube channel called The Contractor Fight. Uh, shout out to Tom. Um, but he he's all his whole goal of, of is, is to is to like almost is to bring back like the, the the good reputation of contractors. Like you see contractors as I how I see it in my head. Like you walk inside with your outdoor boots on. You like you show up late. Yes. Like, yes. Kind of like floppy, like just <laughs> just not put together. And it's like, why, <clears throat> why is that a why is that a rep representation? It's like, well, it's, it's it is our fault in a way. Maybe not us, but mm -hmm. it's their fault in a, as a contractors for doing that. Uh, it's our fault as as maybe not higher end thinkers, but you know people that read read books and are really into business to not try to bring that into that industry. Um, beyond that how I see I could help um, and what I'm, the problem I'm trying to solve is actually a, a culture problem in Canada. Um, I know it's like really such a big thing to say, but uh, I think that there's a book it's, it's called hard times, great, strong men. And this can be for, for women. Oh, also. Stefan Arneo. Yeah. I love Stefan Arneo. He's what like, a great, yeah, nah, he... yeah. That's why I, I like doing the fasting and stuff. My goal is to do like a, do some stuff. He's done like 40 day fast. And anyway, um, there's a cycle. It's hard times create strong men. You know, we can say people. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Right now, how it seems in culture, you know, we got everything at our fingertips. We can Uber Eats. We could literally sit at home and get all our senses stimulated, modified, but we can get our senses stimulated. Uh, we're at a time where we have so much abundance, so much good times that we're creating kind of this weak, I feel like this, this, this weak, I'm not gonna say people, but this weak kind of culture in a sense. I don't mean to be negative, but I believe that by running a business and and having that as one of your core values of grit, you know, perseverance, like building, having the key attributes that you want to see in, in the world and you want to see in at least in your country and have them in your business and then and then bring people in that have those and bring people in that don't have those and 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 develop those in those people and develop those in yourself. That's really how I see this business. Um, I see painting houses now as like hands-on manly work or not. I don't, yeah. Hands-on, just like physical work that really can like make you feel good at the end of the day. And it's so different from working on your computer and, and, you know, maybe drop shipping on Amazon. Like, yeah, that, that stuff's awesome. But if we just continue doing only from sitting down as a culture, we're going to turn into like slugs. It's like, you got to mm -hmm. get out there, 
make jobs for people, get back to get sweating and working hard. And, and uh, yeah, so I see it as more like a culture problem that I'm trying to solve in my business. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. That's a great take. I like that. Yeah, I think that I couldn't agree more with, um, I think that one thing I've realized, I guess I was maybe shocked by last year is to, to speak to that point of how much it is a problem, Justin, um, as a coach. And, and like, so I'm also coaching a few other operators at the same time. And I remember getting asked, uh, my team, a few people on my team last year were looking at me and when the pandemic hit for a bit of, uh, for, you know, a bit of mindset guidance, like, Hey, Austin, like, what do you think is going to happen this year? This was like almost a year ago today, honestly, because I think Canada shut down on March 13th of 2020 and today's March 14th. So, you know, near this time last year, a few people were like, Austin, you know, what can we expect from what you've experienced? And I was like, you know, I honestly think that sales might suffer a little bit because of people being a little bit more scarce around their finances. But you know what I bet's going to happen more than ever is a huge demand for jobs for youth. There's going to be a huge increase in demand for employment. Everybody in our age category primarily works in travel or bars or restaurants. They're going to be wiped out. They're going to come looking for work. And what happened was the complete opposite. I had people that I had hired in February quit working with me because they knew they could get two grand a month for doing nothing. And on those phone calls where they called me to quit, I was indifferent about it because I was almost grateful that they had called me to tell me that they, that was their mindset at the end of the day. But I said, you know, and and I, I was a bit reluctant to do this because I didn't want to sound like their father or their guardian or whatever, you know, like I didn't want to sound like I was coming from a place of superiority. I just wanted to have this conversation with somebody who honestly thought that was going to be the best choice. And they were like, I was like, you know, like at the end of the day, you're quitting a secure job of 40 hours a week and more than $2,000 a month in order to take the, 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 in, in Quebec, we call it la chèque de BS, which is the, the bullshit check essentially. Um, and, uh, and they're like, yeah, but you know, essentially I'm only having to work for the differential now. So I'd rather take the summer off and kind of relax. And, and, and that, like I had conversations like that with three people and people on my team that I was coaching as operators also had those conversations with people and many other people throughout the company had that happen with employees. And just by virtue of that being present, it, it just made me feel sick. And, and, and not because I honestly care about them painting houses that year. It was just like, how much is that prevalent in what we're going through as a society? And only now are people reaching out for work. Like, oh, I'm, and, and some of the people I'm interviewing, they're like, I'm just kind of getting tired of sitting on CERB. So I figured I'd kind of throw my hat in the ring metaphorically. It's like, can you name a less motivating reason to apply for a job? Like, <laughs> it's just like, wow, you know, it's like the antichrist of everything you've described guys. Like anyway, I, I couldn't agree more just, I just figured I'd share that because obviously this is your first year and, and just to provide an anecdote for what it maybe would have been like if you did this last year. So, yeah, I love that goal. Uh, sorry. I, I rambled on there. Broder, <laughs> what, what, what's your, I don't think I sway too far from what it seems like is the norm in, in this yeah. chat. The one thing I, I do want to say is, is shout out to Amher for, for starting that business, which seems like is 
going to fix that norm of contractor. So great for you for yeah. getting on there. I wish I wish I would have thought of that and make make more money. But anyways, long time for sure. If you see if you're looking- taking notes during that conversation, I was literally taking notes for things to like delve in deeper because if <laughs> Justin is experiencing this and I've heard this consistently on the phone, this urge to transform the industry. I already talk about that, but now I think uh, you, you gave me just another idea to... I'll just give you a little secret of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this exact copy, there's so much emotional on it. I'm going to turn it into an ad to, to drive traffic. Cause I really, as long as we get royalty, that's all that I care about. No, though, <laughs> to, to answer your question there, Austin, I, I agree with everything Justin said, everything that John and both Austin, you both agreed on the one thing I'm not going to, this isn't pushback. This is just trying to represent another part of student works because mm-hmm. obviously there is both painting and there is window cleaning mm-hmm. and when i say window cleaning i don't think of it as i'm a window cleaner i do home maintenance projects because there's so much more that we offer not just you know spit shining some windows uh, um, yeah. the one thing with our and this is just the niche part of that topic is our our work our our service we offer to our clients is it's just not permanent your yours is quote unquote permanent right we're mm. not I don't want to say permanent, but I mean, for a finite amount it's, of time. It's think, more temporary, sure, yeah. For sure, right? And we have a lot of annual clients, right? Where people will get their windows clean with us twice a year, once a year. That's the one thing I'm year. jealous of with uh, your model. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Well, well, shout out to Brandon Cornish, please listening, because I have his old turf and um, okay, past cool. clients are, are fantastic. But um, that is the one difference I would have. I think I lean more towards selling myself. And then letting the service sell itself later on because of the, you know, annual service we offer. Mm -hmm. I don't think I deal with the problem of contractors because most times if someone has had their windows clean, maybe it was like, you know, a friend's son or, or it was another business or, or daughter, like whatever it was. So that's the only section where I would sway. I think I focus more on, I wouldn't say focus more on client satisfaction because I know Austin, that was a big thing for you is, is making sure you have a high satisfaction. I just think that's the only spot where I would skew from you guys. Other than that, I, I totally agree. So based more around the, um, the assumption that you're back there next year slightly changes your approach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. Um, Amber, were you going to add something in, in terms of what you were, taking away because honestly i feel like i should have even mentioned you're actually trying to solve the problem that i'm trying to solve as a contractor i'm trying to solve it on the ground by showing it what i think should be the norm for contracting you're coming at it from i'm gonna coach the contractors to actually see the value in changing that model of charging more possibly for a like charging, let's say 15, 20% more for like 300% more value and courtesy. So I guess, were you going to, I I think that you were hinting that you might share something there or no? No, I just, I'm in, in agreement with yeah. this, uh, with this conversation. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's important, but it's a, it's a 10 year long problem solving session. It's, I- it's not like a, I had a, I had a question for, for you, Amber, and this is the perfect time. So if I, you don't mind, jump, yeah, jump in up? here and Austin said it right there where it's okay in student works. I feel like 
quote unquote, we're all students. So I, none of us are perfect. And I don't think I'm near perfect. But if I look at the average operator, the contractors, we are the young contractors. Are we the model that you're trying to coach your clients towards? Or is it to even take one step further than than what student works does? I know that might be a weird question if you don't want to answer it. Well, what is the goal for your business is basically what I'm asking. Okay. Um, good question. It's a big one. Um, I think simply I want to introduce uh, technology and business fundamentals to highly skilled, inexperienced contractors. That's, that's the problem I'm solving is there's a lot of very good contractors that don't have any business knowledge and technological knowledge. And I want to introduce these two things because if I introduce good business principles and technological understanding, they will run better businesses because they are the best at what they do, which means clients will be more satisfied. And the bad guys who are really good marketers will get slowly weeded out and the overall reputation of the whole industry will transform. If you, if you think yeah. about it, I mean, yeah. if, you, if you look at like the home improvement, because when we talk about contractors, essentially we're talking about home improvement services or home maintenance services, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you view that as just, there's an intrinsic value of how much maintenance and how much home improvement is going to be done each year, okay? And by improving the quality uh, in business acumen of contractors, you simply reduce the cost on society in that realm. And that may seem like a small point, but there's so many frictional costs on society uh, for bad contract or due to bad contracting, right? Every single time you hear about someone getting ripped off, that is money that they could have spent educating their kids. That is money they could have spent, uh, you know, driving a safer car. That is money they could have spent at another business that would have hired better employees that would have then, you know, gone on, you know, like literally would have kept the economy going that much stronger. And uh, I think that there's sort of like in a sense, like a revolution that is required in the contracting world, which would like astronomically improve the value of, of our society. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a $10 billion problem. That's going to take some, a lot of time to solve and it's not going to, it's not going to be solved through just programs. It's going to need programs, coaching and software. Um, it's probably way more than 10 billion. Don't you think home improvement, like roofing, all that, even construction. Maybe residential, but commercial, I obviously would be a very different beast. I can give you the number. I do have a Harvard study that actually- Point being though, no, even if it's, but I mean, assuming that there's like 20% of the work done is is suspect. I mean, there's still, you know, when, when someone says, you know, where are we going to get the money to, you know, you know, improve such and such thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's right there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's exciting, but- I was about to share on this, like, it's just a, uh, it's a patience game. And it, it struck me this week, guys, how much, um, uh, what's the, what's the word, how much critical thinking is required for this business that I've been like mostly 
trying to systemize or avoid because in, in, in my painting business, there wasn't much critical thinking that I needed to do. Like, I didn't have to like really think hard. It's like, oh, this, these employees aren't good. Okay, time to maybe get ready to fire them, hire new ones. I don't have enough sales. I got to go knock on doors, spread more flyers. Um, production's not going well. Okay, let's look at my systems in the business and my training process. Whereas this, it's like, there's so much critical thinking around my messaging, my branding, my, my ads and all that, that I've, I finally paid the price for it because like, you know, so far this month, we've not made any sales and I had to delete 80% of my ads, not because they were not performing, but because they're, they were decaying and there was a lot of entropy at play that I wasn't able to catch because I wasn't thinking critically as much as I should have been. So it's just like, that's like another thing that I'm getting really used to is I cannot be slacking. I cannot be comfortable anymore because anytime I, I slack a bit, my sales script just falls, falls out of line or uh, my, my Facebook ad is starts falling out of KPI or my funnel breaks in one point. So I'm losing like potential, uh, potential customers because one part of my automation was broken and I fixed it the wrong way because I didn't actually critically think about it. Or when I'm launching a new uh, like ad copy, I didn't actually structurally set up the wording in a way that takes the person to, you get the point. So um, I'm just starting to understand. Yeah. What's up, Bruce? The the other, I had two questions for you and it follows up here is in our business, I'll call it Stu Merckx, Justin and I right now, the concept of delayed gratification is nuts. Like right now, technically, my marketer has made more money than I have and I've paid them. Mm -hmm. Like, so we don't see that gratification, you know, delayed gratification. In your business model, I assume it would be even further, right? Because you're investing your time and your service is to better someone for the future what's the delay gratification like for you in, in oh the God. sales or in anything? Dude, it's, oh, it's a, probably it's even worse. It's driven me yeah. insane. It's like almost it, driven me insane. Yeah. And if it's not for the network <laughs> and this call, I have not made any money in like 18 months. Like I'm like still in the negative, but like, well off this business, you haven't up this business. Yeah. But yeah. real estate, real, real estate is very different. Yeah. But of this business, it's like, it's very predictable that I will not make more. Like I'm very confident in saying that I will not make over man, even like $60,000 a year for the next 10 years, because all the profits on, I don't, I don't really need to be taking more than 40,000 a year to just live. All the money needs to be in the business. I cannot draw it out because the moment that I, I talked about this last episode. So if I, if I draw the money out of my business, I'm basically saying that the money gives me more return outside of my business than inside my business. So it's just a total shift in, in mentality that I, like probably for 10 or more years, my, my uh, quality of living is just going to increase a bit. And that, you know, the Lamborghini that I want or anything like that, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. Like, it's just not going to happen. And I have to be okay with that. If I actually think about what my goal is. Um, so yeah, it's 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 pretty insane. The only money I can play with is that first money that I was able to draw from the from the from the contracting business and through real estate. But even then, 
spending that money on anything other than real estate is, uh, is also insane. So, um, yeah, no, the delayed gratification is like exponential and it's, uh, it sometimes drives me insane. Yeah. Like truly. Like so, some days I wake up and I'm like sad. I'm like, what's all this for? And then I have to make a call. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, this is why I'm doing this. And then I'm back in it. <laughs> um, I have a question for you about delayed gratification because it's kind of what delayed discounting is about. I'm not going to make this about delayed discounting, but technically there is a peak where you start to descend the other side of the bell curve in terms of how much your gratification is worth given your life expectancy. So I actually think that uh, we're far away from that, right? Like Amr, you could technically, like you said, make enough money to live for the next 10 years. And if you ha- if you actually saw the results from what you've put in over 10 years only come through in your mid thirties, because the expectancy is actually, well, assuming that you, can reinvest every dollar and it ends up being worth like 10 times in your business, what it was worth to you every year. That's insane. Right. And there is a point though, where you start to get to the point of diminishing returns. This is like any basic economic theory, right? Like what's it worth if it happens when you're 49 or when you're 51, No, no you know yeah, what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't, for now, and I'm not asking a, this to you, mirror. sorry. Oh, I, I don't mean to make it like about your business. I'm just actually asking like, what do you think that is for anyone in your shoes, I guess? Or, or I yeah, I have, I have no, I can't answer that question. That's like, that's beyond, <laughs> that's beyond my pay grade. I don't know. Right. I okay. Done, I haven't done yeah. research, but well, I know for no, me, I think there is an answer. I mean, if it, assuming a business is worth all of the future cash flow that you can derive from the business, right? Mm-hmm. every single year that you have are investing in your business, whether with your time or your money uh, is just simply your business will have to return that much more money in the future in order to justify the return. Yes, right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Just time and so, value of money. Yeah. 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 And so I think at a certain point, one of two things will happen. Either one, you'll start getting adequate return in your money or two, you'll lose faith in the business's ability to produce the returns it would need to, to justify the initial investment. Yeah. And at what point that is, is obviously super individualized because it depends on the power of your business and what you actually think you could earn with that money outside your business and all of that stuff. So I guess it is very personalized. Um, Well, painting, painting similar, right? I mean, like, um, even on, on the actually on the the interstellar podcast, I talked about that about how much money I I really needed to make, mm-hmm. and you know the 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 amount I make over a certain amount is worth less to me than yes. the first fifty. The first yes. well the 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 first eighty is worth a lot to me. Okay, yes. after that it starts diminishing. Right then the next one twenty is like pretty fucking vital, and then a- after that it's 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 less valuable. It's less yeah. valuable. It's less valuable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you know, uh, Trish and I talk about that a lot actually about how much time I'd have to invest in my business and what that would mean for our relationship, because there's obviously a balance between the two. Right. I mean, like I can't, you know, cause I mean, if it was only about money, I would sell my soul and I would just go fucking, 
you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go move to some town and say, Hey, Trish, I'll see you in five years. Right. I'll, I'll come back and we can retire. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's all that really mattered. Right. It was just money, but obviously it's not. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I actually wanted to shift this over and, and, and play this little audio clip before I wrap it up. Um, Fun fact, Justin Georgopoulos is the only person to have ever left the weekly call an audio message. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Justin. Yeah. Oh, on Anchor? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I let Justin... I think you're on mute, Justin, possibly. I don't know. Maybe you are. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I'm going to play this. This was... um, Let's see when this came through. Uh, Justin Georgopoulos left you a voice message. October 14th, 2020, you left us a voice message and here it is. I'm going to play it aloud. I honestly can't really remember what it says, but I remember sending it to Emmer and John and uh, you titled it Logs in the Fire. I I love that. You guys talked about that in the podcast. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Thank you guys so much for this podcast. This is exactly what I needed as a first-year operator. I'm starting in January, and this was no fluff, no additives. It was just what it is. You gave me the the key concepts and the knowledge I need, and you guys didn't have to do this. You guys literally did this out of the, the goodness of your hearts and just out of wanting to see your other fellow boys crush it. So I really appreciate that, and... I want to let you know that my name is Justin Georgopoulos. I DM both you guys and I'm a new shark in the water here at student works. I am very, very eager. I'm very excited. However, what you guys did today was triple exponentially grow my enthusiasm. That fire that I thought I had in the belly just turned into a raging forest fire. So thank you boys. I appreciate the work you guys are doing and I look forward to meeting both you guys. All right. Peace out. Justin, was that uh commenting on the dear student works operators 2020 yeah probably i think it was i think it was yeah well, what a beautiful message thank you so much man i thank remember you for listening uh, to this podcast yeah I, thank you i, I got YouTube this message order. and i dm'd it to the uh, i i forwarded because anchor the the platform we make our pod or release our podcast through uh sends me an email with the audio message and i'm like okay i listened to it and then I'm like, who is this guy? And then I, I I forward that email to the entire DM team. I'm like, whose operator is this? Or I think I might've said like, whose man's is this? And Joe Kim was like, that's my guy. Shut it down. So he was excited to hear that you guys. Shout out Joe Kim. There's, I just don't want to end this without shouting out people because uh, <laughs> Joe Kim, man. Joe Kim's fucking, he's the boss, dude. He, he's <laughs> helped me so with so much and uh, he's such, has such a strong mindset. I call him, he answers the phone the same way every time, even if it's my 30th time calling him that day. And to all the operators, guys, like, use your, use your DM. Like, don't feel like you're annoying them. Like, call them, ask questions. There's no stupid questions. Oh, it's probably ridiculous stupid questions, but call, just ask them anyway. Um, yeah, shout out Joe. Love you, Joe. And, and one thing I wanted to add, too, I don't know if this is when we're wrapping up, but so just to give a little bit of a backstory behind that message, obviously, I didn't send that. Justin did. Justin and I both live in the same city. We both got accepted to the program around the same time. And it was after listening to that episode, and I recall this, Justin, where Justin and I both went, this is, this is exactly what we needed. 
at the exact time. And I'm not talking about student works. I'm talking about listening to that episode. Right. And I remember, I, we, I don't know if it was a pact or whatever it was. We were both like, we will be on this podcast mm. come this Ooh. year because the two London boys who are going to be roommates together. And we weren't even roommates this time. The two London boys who are on the two opposite sides of the business are going to be number one and are going to have this talk with Austin, with John, with Amherst, who have done it before. And hey, let's come for some of their records. I remember having this conversation. So manifesting is definitely a big thing. That, that is insane, guys. And, and you know, I guess it seems like your bet that you just made on yourself, just maybe the, the, the Vegas, the Vegas <laughs> yeah. odds maybe changed a bit there after dropping that. Yeah. All right. Time for a little whack versus wise, I think. Uh, do we have to do it? <laughs> yes. 100%. All right. 100%. I, we, we got to ask, should we maybe ask them after with the, the question we asked all guests before we wrap up or do we ask it now? Yeah. Yeah. After, after, after. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. All right. I got a, I got a good one for this one. I found this, uh, found this in an unlikely place. Okay. I don't know, man. I I'm of the, I'm of the camp that like, I think whack versus wisdom is off the charts, but I think there's a time and place for it. That's my, no, that's my take. No. That's my take. What I do you think, guys think of whack versus wisdom? I though? think whack was, uh, whack versus wisdom is kind of like sex. There's, it, it can basically fit in any situation. You know <laughs> what, what do you guys think of whack versus wisdom? Uh, Justin and brother. I think you should go ahead and do it. I think let's, uh, let's do it. That's all I got to say. That's so funny. All right, here we go. This is, <laughs> I don't even know how to say the name of the title of this. But this is Lil Loaded versus NL, <laughs> featuring NLE Chapa, Six Glock, Baby. Remix. remix. This is the remix. This right. sounds like it's just gonna be full of intellect. I can't wait. I'm this I'm gonna get very... my note. I'm gonna get my note back, <laughs> notepad out here. Look at all the satanic shit. There we go. Here we go. <laughs> Can you guys hear it? Yeah, it's pretty loud actually. If you turn it down just a smidge. Wait, how about now? Is it better? Yeah. First rap video to have a dodge dart in it. Hey, 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 on hey, on Alright, so we're 20 seconds in. There's been a total of two different words. <laughs> Like brand new fit, got a glot with the G knife, Fred White T with a creep pair of Levi, real ass creep. I'll never ever be slime, fake ass bitch, she'll never ever be mine. Cut a hoe off, we don't love these speed line. No conversation, he ain't got a stick. If it's gets a later, I'ma shoot mine quick. Big four, five, push through a nigga shit. Focus on the money, we ain't beaten by the bitch. Yeah, I'm a black baby with a six. I'm a cheat code, nigga, I'm a glitch. Throw me in the game and I'm bound to get rich. Nigga turn wholesale, why them niggas switch? So many times a nigga could have been a lick. I'ma wear the nigga up, leave his whole body drenched. Kid me on the block. Blah, blah, baby, blah, baby, what kept me on the blah, blah, baby. Uh, 32 shot, glock, baby, blah, baby, what 32 shot, glock, baby. Kept me on the blah, blah, baby, blah, baby, what kept me on All right, well, let's see how this lines up against uh, what John's about I to I mean, <laughs> straight up, just like my first comment for those that can't see the, uh, basically, if you've ever seen a gun safety video, <laughs> this is the antithesis of that. I mean, there were so many guns pointed at the fucking cameraman. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and not only that, there was like children there. <laughs> I think I saw a child like, with a gun at one point. 
Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure that was like, yeah, that was crazy. All right, that so was crazy. A gun safety video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bop though. It is man, it's Amber, that shit slaps. Man, I only got the best stuff, man. You know me. <laughs> That's Amber's yeah. alarm clock in the morning, John. <laughs> John this is my Wim, Wim Hof method. This is yeah. method. <laughs> okay. That's disgusting. So here we, here we go. <clears throat> Catch me on the block, block baby, block baby, what? Catch me on the block, block baby, uh, bitch. 32 shot, Glock baby, Glock baby, what? 32 shot, Glock baby, a Glock baby. Badass kids, we was racing with a street light, what? Brand new fit, got a Glock with a G Nikes, skirt, Fresh white tee with a ceased pair or cre- creased pair of Levi's. Real ass crip. I'll never be slime. Hell nah. Fake ass bitch. She'll never ever be mine. Never that. Cut a hoe off. We don't love these felines. No cap. No conversation. He ain't got a stick. What? If this gets scalated, I'm going to shoot mine quick. Bow wow. Big four five pushed through an N-word shit, push it back. <laughs> Focused on the money. We ain't beefing about a bitch. Hell nah, hell nah. I'm a block baby with a six. What? I'm a cheat code N-word. I'm a glitch, no cap. Throw me in the game and I'm bound to get rich. N-words turned ho. Said why them N-words switch? Why so many times an N-word could have been a lick? No cap. I'm a wet N-word up or I'm a wet an N-word up, leave his whole body drenched. Yeah. Jesus, it's hard to even get through. Wow. That's some Shakespeare right there. Okay, so you guys all got to vote that or what John's about to read. I'm trying to warm up my voice a little bit because, I mean, I feel like... How many views, by the way, before John warms up his voice? Uh, 23 million? So that was the, the remix... So if you combine this with the original, we're looking at 30 million, 30 million. And, and I bet like one tenth of that is it, it, no way less than that of, of books sold that John's about to read from. Yeah. What, what book is, I don't know. YouTube. How many, how many views was it? So on YouTube, million? on YouTube, it's 30 million, but if you include Spotify, that's another 13 million. So mm, I bet 10% of, but this is, this is, this is from security analysis by Benjamin Graham and, and, uh, yeah, David Dodd. Right. I mean, it's a, it's still a, a noticeable difference. Yeah, exactly. It's also been around for almost a hundred years. So fair enough. You know, this yeah, song yeah. will be around for a hundred years. I'm, I'm very sure. Well, this is a sixth edition. <laughs> There's gonna be, <laughs> gonna be right, seven okay, remixes. Let's run it. Let's run it. Let's hear this. Whack or <laughs> relation to the. <laughs> I can't even say this. Relation, <laughs> relation of the future to investment and speculation. It may be said with some approximation to the truth that investment is grounded on the past, whereas speculation looks primarily to the future. But this statement is far from complete. Both investment and speculation must meet the test of the future. They are subject to the vicissitudes and are judged by its verdict. But what we have said about the analyst and the future applies equally well to the concept of investment. For investment, the future essentially is something to be guarded against rather than to be profited from. If the future brings improvement, so much the better. But investment as such cannot be founded in any important degree upon the expectation of improvement. 
Speculation, on the other hand, may always properly and often soundly derive its basis and justification from proper, or sorry, from prospective developments that differ from past performance. I like that. You see that in real estate where you never want to buy a piece of property hoping that it'll appreciate. You just will buy it based on other things that you can force that appreciation and not just crossing your fingers. Um, well, there's man. two lines in, in particular. Well, I'm just going to read just the last, the back half of this. I already read it again because it's just so deadly. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's, there's so much wisdom in this. It's crazy. For investment, the future is essentially something to be guarded against rather than be profited from. If the future brings improvement, so much the better. But investment as such cannot be founded in any important degree upon the expectation of improvement. And then here's, here's some wisdom too. Speculation, on the other hand, may always properly and often soundly derive its basis and its justification from prospective developments that differ from past performance. So, so what I'm understanding, John, is if I'm going to invest in Bitcoin, I need to invest in the idea of Bitcoin and its foundations and usefulness rather than its ability to increase in price in the future. Yeah, Charlie Munger says that investments are valued essentially in two ways. One, like the commodity wheat, as in the utility that you can derive from wheat as in you could make food out of it, you could weave baskets, you, you could make hay, whatever it is, right? Okay. And the other way of valuing investments is like Rembrandt's, which is like a Rembrandt was a, it's a very famous Dutch. Um, I think it's, a, I think he's a Dutch, maybe French. Anyway, point being, he's an artist. He's dead, obviously not making any more Rembrandt's. And the sole goal way, a sole goal, um, way of valuing a Rembrandt is such that someone else at some point in time will pay more than you for that item. So are you making your investments based on the utility of the investment or just the mere fact that someone will pay more at a later date? Doesn't this book mostly uh, biased towards the first, the former? It's not biased <clears throat> at all. It merely, it, it merely, the goal is to explain the difference between the two and talk about successful ways of investing. It's mm -hmm. not a book about speculating, but it's not biased in any way. The, the question is, does real estate do both, both you, from well, a utilitarian standpoint and from a capital gain standpoint? Well, I would, next week on the wisdom, I'm actually going to answer that question, but, but, right. <laughs> I, but, but because every investment will have a speculative nature to it, of course. However, the basis of your investment does not need to be speculative. Mm. Gotcha. And that's, and I mean, that's what he was saying in there, like an investment essentially the future is something to be guarded against as in if nothing improved you would be just as happy owning this in the asset as is if you're banking on improvement in such a way from things beyond your immediate control okay so like if you if would say you buy you know let's say a real estate uh, deal where by literally just improving the building itself people will pay more rent and there's and there's some sort of past or current um, 
performance such that 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 actually is an accurate statement. Okay, I mean there is some speculative nature to that, but that's pretty predictable. But to say that this asset currently is deriving this much rent in ten years from now, people will be paying this much rent just because of growth. That's now entering that now you're prof you're trying to profit from the future, not the current condition of the asset. Mm. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And Austin, I think, yeah. Hit us with that question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we ask every guest this question and uh, you can answer it in one or 10 words, whatever you'd like. What do you boys think the strongest component, the component, sorry, let me restart. <laughs> what do you, what do you think the most notable components are of the strongest mindset? be a paragraph it could be a sentence it could be a single word yeah i think it's it's going to be cool to kind of montage a lot of these together and and i'm sure we could do it now by now but everybody answers this question differently so broder we're going to go to you okay um this, this might be cliche because this is my favorite quote of all time, but this is what I think of when I think of mindset. Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure, right? Because some people know from Coach Carter, uh, other people know from the book. I think when, now I'm going to go along here. I think when it comes to mindset, it's am I reaching my full potential? And is today getting me closer and closer to that? That's the way I think of it. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Damn, I like that, and I hadn't heard that before. You haven't heard that? No. That's the that's the movie with Denzel Washington, the basketball team. No, no, it's, Samuel uh, Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Oh, it's, it's, it's he, that, that, that's training day. You're thinking. Damn, of training brother. Day. Training day. Hey, man, I'm not a. You movie motherfuckers critic. are you playing basketball? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, Coach Carter, all time classic. All time classic. That's mine. That's my my good stuff. analogy. Yeah. Um, gratitude. I feel like if you can have gratitude for the, the BS in life that you feel, um, for the triumphs, for the people around you, for the food you eat, for everything, one, it's going to allow you to stay sane during any circumstance. Two, it's going to allow you to want to milk the most out of this life that we have. And, you know, we're all guilty of not giving our fullest, whether maybe we're giving our fullest in our business, but we're having called our mom in a month or whatever it is like the gratitude for the life around us and what we're experiencing is going to to is going to be this kind of the, the seed behind the mindset the, the, the seed to even want to have a strong mindset because you have something to live for you have so much to live for if you don't feel like if you don't have gratitude for life you're not going to want to like do, do much um just to build on that justin i think that's something i've realized is being more and more important as the years have gone on and I'm really looking forward to getting to the last rule in uh, Jordan Peterson's new book, which is rule number 12 in his new book is be grateful in spite of your suffering. Mm. And uh, I'm excited to read on that. Uh, so yeah, uh, good, good stuff guys. I, I really appreciate your guys' answers and we appreciate you guys coming on. I think there's some, a lot of value for listeners to extract from this conversation. 
And I hope that, uh, you know, if this conversation changes one person's um, approach to how they go to running their business this year or living their life, that's, that's what we, it's a success. So. 100%. Yeah. I hope I can speak on behalf of the rookie operators when we want to say thank you guys for, for all the knowledge. I mean, we, we're just, just little, little tadpoles in the pond of, of the week we call. So appreciate you guys a lot because the knowledge that you've given us without even realizing it is, is definitely somewhat of a determining factor to where we are. So appreciate you guys too. Man. Give a shout out to the Thank team. And I want to give a shout out to my girl, Maria. She holds it down. She's awesome. And uh, she fills up the contracts ahead of time before I go to estimates, save some time. Nice. Is Maria your partner? Yeah. Wait, hold okay, on. Can cool. you read that louder? I, I, one of our <laughs> listeners might, yeah. might might get some value from that. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> Trisha, turn it off. Tr- right Trisha, now. Turn it yeah, off. Trisha, move oh, out. Miranda, get away from, yeah. the, from, the, from the audio. Leave the room. Comparison is a thief of happiness. There we go. <laughs> Comparison is the thief of joy, Roosevelt. Yeah, there we go. Thank you guys uh, so much. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been the weekly call. Thank you very much. Hey, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.